I've had a chance to have multiple conversations with David Adams, CEO of Urban Assembly, over the past two years. Each time, I learn more about Urban Assembly's work to promote social, emotional, and academic achievement of all of their scholars via the activation of robust partnerships with industry leaders in the New York City area. In this podcast, we'll build on those conversations as David is joined by Giselle Gonzalez, a senior at Urban Assembly School for Collaborative Healthcare. We'll dig deeply into how Urban Assembly has created multiple avenues for meaning-making that engage the full staff, the full student body, and the broader community. David and Giselle, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. We are excited to get started and dig into learning a whole lot more about Urban Assembly and the schools that you all have put together in New York and about the experiences. David, as I hear you articulate what's going on with Urban Assembly and what your passion is, you know, I hear you sort of describe the problem as, you know, the public education space really doesn't always do a good job of engaging and taking advantage of what's in community, and that that's really important. If we're really concerned about equity, then this idea of really helping young people make meaning of their lives, their communities, and see how all this stuff fits together is so important. David, can you just tell us for a minute about why it is that you put those three things together and have come up with this magic mix of what you all call these urban assembly schools? How do they really dig in to help young people make meaning? Well, Karen, thank you for taking time to spend time with us here at the Urban Assembly and Giselle. You raise a really great point, right? This this question of um, how do adult inputs into children's lives prepare them to be ready for college, career, and community? And this this notion of adult inputs, right? What kind of inputs do students need to be successful? Uh, And then who provides those inputs? So here at the Urban Assembly, as you mentioned, uh, we have 23 schools across New York City. We work across the country to think about how to organize schools around these principles of social, emotional, academic development. Uh, But we've really focused on this idea of how do we maximize not only our school, but our communities input into young people. We were founded by Richard Kahn, and he was kind of the king back in the day, uh, 1997, of this notion of private-public partnerships, right? How did the private sector and public sector work together in order to solve problems? And so one of the core ways that we've organized urban assembly schools have been with this notion that industry community has as much investment in schools as schools have in the industry and the community that they serve. When we understand that maximizing inputs into students by creating as many adults, caring, loving, knowledgeable adults as possible, then we will create an opportunity for our students to then give back of that input, of that investment into their community, into their college, into their careers, and then benefits all of our society. Great words, but now I'm excited to turn to Giselle and say, great words, but how does this work? I mean, talk to us about the school that you're going to and why it feels different to you. How is it doing all the things that David just said? I'll just start off by saying, first of all, like I said before, I'm so happy I went to Urban Assembly School. I'm proud to say that I soon to be a graduate from Urban Assembly School. They often tackle the mission to, like David mentioned, to just be there for all their students and be there to create community and a sense of culture for urban. You know, I believe that if you go to any other high school, you just don't get the same feel that urban culture creates with meaning with empathy and seeing just just creating their students a whole sense of community and being there for each other and create, you know, social awareness and being able to just, you know, just like I said, be there for each other. 
Who's the we in that when you say they do a great job of creating community? Who is the we? Is it just your teachers? Is it something different about the students and how you all interact with each other? Is the other adults that are in the building? Is it the adults who are working with you? Who is this we that seems to be so important to what makes Urban Assembly School special? It's definitely the staff in Urban Assembly. The staff helps create the culture that I mentioned. They bring other people to help create that culture. And also the staff kind of embed that culture, that urban culture into their students whenever they, you know, when their freshman year, we kind of create that by, you know, having different clubs and different things that create that. So mainly the staff, the students, it's a mission that we all come together and do. It's not really these people separately. It's just we all come together and create that culture together as one. And Giselle, I noticed that you're very intentionally using the word the staff and not the teachers. And so often when I talk to students, they say the teachers. Who are the staff? The staff can include the teachers. The staff includes just anybody who helps contribute to urban culture. It's not really a label I can put on anybody. It's just anybody who contributes to urban culture is I can contribute to the staff. And David, how do you make that happen? How do you get a staff that isn't just the classroom teachers, but has this common mission and is really working towards this common purpose. Is that intentional on your part? Well, absolutely. So I think one of the things that Giselle is talking about here is having a common operating picture around the roles that adults should be playing in developing a sense of culture in our schools. That means the deans, that means the teachers, that means cafeteria workers. To the extent that we can, we want to create a sense of who we are, how we're modeling who we are so that young people can see in this, in the staff, what are the attributes for solving problems that we want them to develop? Giselle, you work as well as this, this peer group connections and the relationship between you and the underclassmen is that the senior classmen actually reproduce this notion of culture by directly mentoring and developing in their underclassmen some of these ideas of what does it mean to be an urban assembly student at, at the School for Collaborative Health. So it's an example of how these things are operationalized. People have a responsibility for developing these skills, attitudes, and culture that it means to be part of the school. And Giselle, you mentioned that you're at a school that's focusing on health. Talk about what that means. So I'm doing my medical certification this year, my senior year, and so far it's fantastic. Like I'm learning different things every single day. I'm learning how to draw blood, learning how to do EKGs, doing how to do uh, blood pressure, pulse, height, your vital signs. And it's just a great program. It's just, I can't express how grateful I am for this. And I'm doing this before my 18 years of age. And I'm glad I'm doing it with a teacher that I already have a relationship with. So I can express with her and, you know, confide in her and being able to ask for help. It's not with like a, somebody who I just met, you know, off a regular course. I'm, I already seen this teacher for four years almost. So I'm glad that I'm able to do this in urban. David, how do you make these partnerships work? You mentioned earlier this idea of partnership coordinators. What is this partnership coordinator role And how do you coordinate this kind of rich experiences for all of your students in different careers? Uh, Each of your schools has a different theme to it. How do you do this? Ms. Hamilton over at the Urban Assembly School for Collaborative Healthcare serves as the partnership coordinator. One of her roles is to organize these industry partners. There's also a board whose job is to organize these industry partners to invest into the school, to invest into the kids so that uh, our children and our students are graduating with these kinds of experiences necessary. So I think it's a unique feature of the work that we do at the Urban Assembly and really reflects this notion of college, career, and community. As Giselle said, her, her mother went to the same school, right? 
And so this notion of like, how are we developing young people who not just pass the test of life, as Dr. Marisa Elias says, but are able to really take these skills and be effective in all that they do? It's amazing that you've pulled this off. And I, I want both of you to talk. I mean, Giselle, you've already said just sort of how significant and important it is that you're coming out, not even 18 yet, with all these skills and all these experiences and just sort of ahead of the game um, from other high school students. How does that fit in to your commitment to really create equitable learning opportunities uh, for the young people in your urban assembly schools? And why is it so important that we think about these kind of bold strategies when we talk about educational equity? Yeah, I mean, I think. Giselle says something really important, right? Like, what is the role of exposure in teaching our youth that they have a responsibility to contribute to their community, right? So many people and young people go through school and they're just trying to find relevance. And Karen, you talked about this, this relevant-based education, right? Like, what does this mean to me? We've got bills to pay. Uh, we've got challenges in our home or in our community. There's a lot of things going on in young people's lives. Um, and so when you give them opportunity and give folks like Giselle a space to say, like, I will graduate ready to contribute to my home, ready to contribute to my community, ready to give the skills that have been developed in me back to the folks who expect something from me. That's an identity. That's a shift in what we're asking of our young people. And in fact, every single young person, I know, Karen, you believe this, has something to contribute to the world. And our job as in public education is to uncover that, unleash that, and make sure that they know what those skills are. It's really powerful. And I, I want to pick up on that point, David, and, and come back to you, Giselle. When we were sort of chatting earlier, you said, I may not go into this field, but it's really been important for me to do this. So when we talk about what this kind of real world experience has done, to make learning relevant for you. Can you give us an example of why doing it this way and having these kind of real world experiences is different from just sitting in a classroom? Well, I feel like being in real world experiences just, it prepares me for other things that other people don't really have the opportunity to do. Being straight into the field, you know, having internships that I'm able to use my medical assistant skills on real people, you know, real patients, it gives me a kind of glimpse of what I'm going to be able to do in the rear future when I do have my certification. So when my internship starts, when we're able to, you know, go out and use our skills that we've been learning over the course of our nine month certifications, it's fantastic in my opinion. I believe if we just learn from straight books and just lectures, yes, we do learn, but you're not putting those skills into your work. When you put those skills into your actual work, you're able to, you know, learn and make mistakes, which is okay. And you're able to be like, oh, wait, I don't do that. You do this. And you're just able to use it properly and you learn. And when you go over and do things over and over again on actual human beings, you just learn from your mistakes and you're able to, you know, grow. Hey, Karen, can I pop in for that real quickly? So Giselle says something that just really deeply resonates with me, right? In most places, in the, in, when we want to develop young people or any, any people, uh, when they make a mistake, we give them feedback and they correct themselves and then they do it again. Now, to be fair, Giselle, I hope that my arm is not the arm that you make too many mistakes on when you're drawing blood, right? But the goal is to develop mastery, right? The the notion is not, you know, you got a 70 on a test, uh, good luck, may, maybe do better on your next test. It's like, how do I figure out how to get to the 90 or 85 that I'm trying to do so that I learn that skill? 
And that's how most learning happens in the real world, because we need people to do their work effectively. Uh, so I just really wanted to, to resonate with what Gisela is saying, because she talked about this notion of getting feedback, trying again, and moving to a mastery level that allows her to be effective in her role and her position with regards to the work that she's doing. Also, having the Urban Assembly School also you know, give the opportunity to have an internship and go into different hospitals or urgent cares, that also helps greater our experience levels. That way, when we do graduate with our certification, we also have that under our belts to say, yeah, I have my certification, but I also have experience. That way we can be able to get hired faster. And that way we could just be able to, you know, say, yeah, I did this before. I did this on a real life person, you know, not just because I took the certification test and I have my my license. No, it's because I also have experience and I also being able to do it. And what really like makes me so happy that I'm a part of this is that my school is majority of black and brown students. And the fact that black and brown students have, have the opportunity to, you know, uplift and prove other people wrong. And these minorities are able to, you know, do things that others don't have the opportunity to. It just makes us look better as, you know, minorities. That's a wonderful point. And I know it's very intentionally a part of the mission of Urban Assembly. And I know, David, that you and others have also talked about just this broader responsibility to have not just your Urban Assembly partners who sort of have this kind of mission, but just you're on a mission to have adults in general realize that they have to model and practice and invite in young people into this space as learning partners and as relevant partners and as people who are there and committed to make change. I'm really wondering, David, if we can come back to this really pressing both question about equity, but in particular, this what seems to be just this lingering tension between whether the best thing we need to be doing to support our black and brown students is doubling down, drilling down on academics, or should it be social emotional learning? Or should it be real life experience? How are you putting it together and how do you explain it to people? And then Giselle, you've just been talking so much about how all of these things fit together, but I'm both frustrated and perplexed that we seem to not be able, when we talk about schools, to have this not be an either or conversation. Well, first, Karen, I would like to say on the record that I would put an Urban Assembly graduate against any graduate in any high school across the country with regards to our young people's ability to solve problems. And we're moving from what problems to how problems. And I want to just say this again, because the, the problems that we're facing in public education, how do we integrate academic, social, emotional development and career readiness? Those are not what problems. There is enough white pages written on them. There are enough people who have sat in panels and said, this is what should be happening. But there are not enough people who are taking that what and trying to facilitate the actual systems and structures to get this working. And so I think if we take more time and there are more institutions who are really in schools, who are connected to schools, who spend every day trying to think about, we've got eight periods, how do we organize these eight periods in ways that integrate these outcomes? Then we'll be moving faster for our young people and our society will benefit for the outcomes of that. So if we're gonna really talk about how we integrate social and emotional and cognitive and academic, how do we, how do we talk about how to help young people really know where they are? on that path of building those skills in a way that really is supportive of them and doesn't feel like more tests being put on black and brown kids that they're going to fail. 
I will say that the Strong Resilient NYC initiative uh, that's being led in New York City, in which all students will have an opportunity to get feedback on their social and emotional development, um, is an initiative that is being led in part by the Urban Assembly with regards to making sure all 1,600 schools and 1.1 million students have some sort of feedback on their social and emotional competence. Now, what does that feedback look like and why is this important? Well, we know in the context of education that the number one driver for development, for achievement, is the quality of feedback, right? We know this from Hattie's research. We know this from watching um, teachers. Uh, we know this from the overall understanding of the educational outcomes. And if we're going to take social and emotional learning seriously, if we're going to sit with young people like Giselle and say, we want you to graduate college, career, and community ready, we all need to be like her manager. We need to be able to take her aside and say, hey, I saw the way that you solved that problem. I'm wondering if next time you can do this, right? I'm wondering if next time you can think about this. And so the, the goal of this assessment is to create a language, uh, to create some clarity. You heard Giselle talk about problem solving, empathy, communication. These are constructs that we have developed through the notions of assessment, through feedback, and through direct instruction. And so our vision for this work is that we have more students like Giselle who go out in the world who are cognizant, who are clear about their social and emotional skills of herself and others, and then use these skills to solve problems, right? Because we all know there's enough problems to solve. Uh, there are enough challenges in this world that the more folks who are able to see those challenges and then bring themselves to those solution sets, the better we're gonna be. I want to say this again, the work-based learning, the internships, the, the work that Giselle is doing in terms of restorative practice, these are part and parcel of her social and emotional development. It's not just about an assessment, right? It's about how are you living these things out? So I think the better we are to moving to those outcomes, the better our city will be, and the better our city will be, hopefully the better folks will be in terms of looking to our city for inspiration. I appreciate that clarification. I knew you would give it, and I wanted to get it on record because what you said and the way you said it about feedback to get better at problem solving, any kind of problem, social, emotional, math, <laughs> real life, that's what we want. And I see Giselle nodding her head. Do you feel like you were having these sort of things looked at and assessed to give you feedback for you to own how to get them stronger and better? Or did you ever feel like you were being graded on these skills? Well, at the Urban Assembly School, I don't ever feel like that, which I'm very grateful for. As I mentioned before, I was a part of a program this summer and I had the opportunity to speak with New York senators over the summer. And when I spoke with them, I was protesting against the zero tolerance policies. When speaking with them, I was protesting against passing that rule, passing that law, because that policy is not fair to black and brown students in our communities at all. So when I was fighting against them and, you know, stating my claim as to why that, that rule should not be passed on our schools, you know, I was on behalf of my black or brown students because it's not fair as to how they would quickly suspend somebody based on no context at all. So when speaking with them, I just kept on giving examples on how would they feel as if their child was, you know, treated with that with that same policy with like no context behind what, the, what was being done and with not no words being spoken from the students. And over the summer when I did this with the New York senators, I spoke with, I believe, I want to say four different senators, and all of them did not pass the rule, which I'm happy that they didn't. And Karen, if I can just take a second to, to speak to Giselle's experience here, right? Our public education spaces are really our society's investment into developing the kind of young people that are going to contribute 
um, upon graduation, right? So it's like this little microcosm of society. To Giselle's point, right, what we are teaching our young people around how problems are solved, right? Are people engaged? Is it a zero tolerance or is it an approach that's designed to reintegrate young people back into the community? These are questions about not just our schools, but our society writ large, right? And so I recognize and I hear some of the concerns that we're having around the language, around social and emotional learning. But I think when you when you talk to our students and Giselle is here, we're talking about things like conflict resolution. We're talking about things like managing our emotions towards a goal. And we're talking about things like relationship skills. And so I'd like us to continue to focus on those skills, those competencies, those attitudes that allow our young people to contribute to our society and, and move it forward. So I think it's a really good example here of how communication skills allowed her to not only argue from the perspective, and I heard her say state a claim, right? Which is, again, that's clarity of language that creates constructs. And that claim helped her to advocate on behalf of our black and brown kids. I'm 100% with you, David. And somehow, as you're scaling the success that you've had across the country, I'm assuming that you're leading with those kind of examples of what we should be building for young people. And I just want to make sure that as we're having those conversations and we're having the conversation about why, what kind of role all adults can play, if they're in any kind of intentional relationship with young people, both modeling and naming and encouraging that these skills be practiced and bringing in feedback. You know, you've talked about how this is really happening for all of your students. That's not happening across the country. So as you think about bringing this model out, just talk for a few minutes because I know we're going to wrap up soon. How are you taking this to scale as you move beyond New York City, where you actually get to walk in and out of buildings and you're trying to take it across the country? How do you get these ideas across in ways that they really create the experiences that are comparable to the kind that Giselle and her classmates have had? Well, I appreciate the question, Karen. First, I will say that one of the key pieces that we're doing at the Urban Assembly is working to reproduce some of these concepts at scale. And that means serving as proof of concepts for other school districts, uh, other organizations across the country, that it is possible. Um, at the Urban Assembly, we're working in district schools, public schools, uh, they're not charter schools. They are working in the same constraints that other district schools are working in. One of the big challenges in the context of social and emotional learning, as you know, is that there's, there's a lack of clarity. Is it about being nice to people? Uh, maybe. Or, or is it about developing relationships? Well, it's probably a little bit of both, right? Being nice helps develop relationships. Using effective communication skills helps you to create your intent, right? To move towards what you're trying to accomplish. Being able to solve problems helps us be more constructive in community. So the first thing that we look to do as we move this um, is create clarity in terms of what we mean. Uh, so we have a list of um, 11 to 14 social and emotional competencies. Students demonstrate the ability to manage their emotions. Students demonstrate awareness of their needs and emotions that are also linked to adult competencies that allow adults to model these, to activate uh, these opportunities, as well as create experiences for students to demonstrate these skills. Additionally to that, we envision social emotional learning in the, the really broad sense of what learning is, right? Learning is the ability to integrate understandings and knowledge and shift behaviors. So that means social and emotional learning is giving students an opportunity to learn through instruction, learn through extracurricular, learn through behavior supports, learn through adult modeling, how to understand and problem solve around these concepts. So in a nutshell, right, I would say the number one thing that we bring to the space is clarity. 
We're not going to come in and say, I want your student to be more self-aware. We're going to say, let's make sure that students have an understanding of how to access external supports. And now how do we create a school community in which students have clarity around their external supports and how they can use them to solve problems? And the last thing I'll say on this is we're not going to create dependency, right? So we don't tell our students to go to adults for everything. We have adults scaffold the problem-solving sequence for young people so that they're better able to do it for themselves. And you'll see this in, in Giselle when you're talking about ninth graders working with 12th graders, right? We start with the adults. They build the capacity of the capabilities of the 12th graders who then build the capabilities and capacities of ninth graders so that we have graduated students who are ready to solve the problems of the world, not just the problems of the school building that they're a part of. Wonderful example. So I'm just going to ask either of you, any last things that you really hoped you had wanted to say on this interview that we didn't get to? Well, listen, I, I'm super proud of Giselle. I know that we took her out of our school day and uh, I saw her um, recently as we prepared for this. I just want to say, Giselle, that the future is yours. My legacy, hopefully, is creating spaces for more students like you to bring your voice to solve the problems that we need to solve. And feel free to reach out to us if there's anything else that we can do to support you in your future. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This episode has highlighted the importance of activating all adults, of lifting up the importance of real life settings, and the true integration of academic, social, emotional development, and career readiness. So what are the takeaways from this discussion that can help us move from being satisfied that we've helped a few young people beat the odds to implementing strategies that will actually change the odds for all young people? Please visit our website and YouTube channel to hear more of this conversation, as well as Karen's discussions with David, and to learn more about Urban Assembly. Join us for episode two, featuring Ron Berger of EL Education and Margarita Celestino, a recent graduate of an EL school. Mm -hmm.